0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. So my kids play team sports. Team sports are interesting things because team sports is a strange dynamic between individuality and your, your personal growth and being aware of and being a, an active contributor to a team dynamic. There are things that are happening on both fronts. When you get involved in a team sport, the thing about it is you've got to become a team player. It means there's no place for people who want to hog the ball because it doesn't work. It's not successful ultimately. What makes the team successful is when people get into that, uh, that role and they understand, I have to be a team player. I have to be able to collaborate and work with the other people who are on my team so we collectively can achieve a goal and, and realize an objective. But it doesn't just stop at that, because it's not just realizing the greater good. There's also a place within that context where people understand that I have to make an individual contribution to that. Are you with me this morning? You sure? You're very quiet. Just shout or say something, then I'll. Yeah, no, not now when I say something. Not. It's got no credibility then. It does two things. So there's an individual responsibility that comes into play. I can't just arrive at practice and not do anything. I can't just arrive at the game and not know the plays. There is a, a responsibility that rests on me to understand that I've got to grow. I've got to develop. I've got to work out. I've got to do the training. I've got to learn the plays. So that when I get into the group context, I can make a meaningful contribution and the team can do something with me. Good job. That was a test. It's the same in our Christian life. What concerns me a little bit is the weighting I feel over over the recent past has shifted within the church context. And we speak a lot about people's lives. And we speak a lot about you going to a place where God wants to meet your needs and God wants to fulfill your dreams. And God has a plan and God has a purpose for you. And all of those things are true and all of those things are right. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's about your personal development. In your personal development, it's about understanding that you are part of a greater context. It's called the body of Christ. The problem with it is we're raising a generation that is looking for how do, I, how do I pad my life? How do I get to the place so that I'm comfortable and I'm fulfilled and I'm happy and I'm this and I'm that? mama? If you're using too many eyes in the sentence, you're not a team player. I'm trying to encourage you here to recognize the fact that God is going to work with you because he loves you so very much. And he's going to do something incredible in your life. But understand that it's for purpose because you are part of a greater good. And the fact of the matter is God's wanting to have influence in the world in which we find ourselves. And if all I'm looking for is for me to be happy and pampered and and, and to be cushy, the thing is I've missed the grand plan. So I have a personal agenda, understanding that there is a macro consideration at play. Okay, that was your cue again. Good grief, honestly. I need to have somebody here. Did you ever watch in Shrek where they had that guy with like applause? I need to have one of those. The thing about teams as well is this. When you get into a team, you're going to play in a certain position. You're going to be a, a defensive player. When you're a defensive player, that's what happens. When they say, let's get the defense on, the defense goes out. Now's my time. Now's my moment. My moment is not when they call for special teams. My moment is not when they call for the offense. I I can never say that. I I pronounce it finally, I know. Offense. I'm trying. It's not your moment. It's not your moment. You've got to know when your moment is. God is going to put you somewhere in the body of Christ. I don't know where he's going to put you, but he's going to put you somewhere because you have a purpose in that body. Find out what your purpose is. You're there for a reason because you're part of the greater good. He's putting you there because the thing is, God's wanting to have influence in the space in which he puts you. I don't know where that needs to be. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. But when he puts you in a place, understand that if he puts you there, he's the only one who moves you don't move because you're upset don't move because somebody robs you the wrong way don't move because somebody sits in your seat it's all about learning and growing because he's sitting saying I want to do something in your life because I have a greater good that's at play I can't move out of this space because he didn't move me out where does he put you in the body I'm telling you these things because I believe that it's becoming consequential with what God is wanting to do in the future and I think God is getting back to the nitty-gritty and, the original, and originally what God planned when he said to people, Go to the upper room! He didn't say leave there. He said, go there until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you can be witnesses for me. He has a plan and he has a purpose. And I think he's getting back to the original purpose for what the church was about, who we were about as individuals, and how we walk into that reality. I want to touch on that and expand on that a little bit today. I'm going to springboard a little bit of what we did last week Um, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. I'm going to read this out of the Passion. There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from, from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Are you a holy believer? Okay, this is for you, okay? What he's saying is there is a mystery for you. The mystery for you is Christ in you. The mystery for you is Christ in you. For many generations, what happened was ever since Adam lost the spirit of God living on the inside of him, he was absent from that space. And man began to relate to God in a different context because he was external to him. And what he's saying in this is there is a mystery coming and there is something that's going to be far greater than just God coming to reside on the inside of you. God coming to reside on the inside of you is going to be consequential because he wants you to know who he is. And it's not just the case that I have the life of God on the inside of me. That's important. That's significant. That's number one. Because it puts the nature of God on the inside of who you are. But the fact of the matter is God doesn't just want to live there. He's sitting saying to you, I want you to give me your heart. Yeah. If you've given me your spirit, I've moved into the temple. The nature is in there. But now he wants your heart. He wants your soulish realm. What he's saying is, don't just leave me in the temple. I'm opening the holy of holies and I'm coming out of that space because I want to move into your soul. And the way that you perceive life and the way that you perceive me and the way that you perceive people and the way that you perceive situations is all going to shift because I'm moving to a place where I'm recognizing that there's a mystery on the inside of me and that mystery carries with it power for influence. Okay, well... Three of us. Living within you is Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. Do you know what the expectation of glory is? He's sitting saying, I'm reminding you of how you were built. You were built and you were created in the image of God so that you could reflect his likeness. What he's saying is when God moved back into the temple, when the spirit and the nature of God moved back into the inside of you, what ended up happening is Christ's nature is in there. And when he's talking about his glory, what he's saying is when I partake of the nature that's on the inside of him, what ends up happening is it puts me in a place where I can begin to reflect his likeness. That's what his glory is. He's sitting saying, I'm reminding you where you came from. I'm reminding you who you were. And I'm giving you an opportunity to, speak, to step back into the original you. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope, filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone. To know it, It is a treasure chest of hope. Everything that you're looking for and everything that you want to realize, the richness of a relationship with God is going to be defined in that space. And the treasure chest of the, the, the Spirit of Christ residing on the inside of us becomes that treasure chest. And what he's going to do is he's going to take of who he is and he's going to impart that into your soulish realm so that it's going to, life is going to be conceived and we're going to realize what that is we're going to walk into an experiential reality of a supernatural God. I think it's important to interrogate concepts. What does it mean? We want to have a relationship with God. Nobody's going to say, no, we shouldn't. Everybody's going to say, yes, you have to have a relationship with God because it sounds right. And who doesn't want a relationship with God? But then, if you say to them, Well, how do you do that? You get onto thin ice. What I want to talk to you about today is I want to talk to you, and hopefully, I can present something to you that, in a meaningful way, will introduce you to how God can be realized, experienced. And become an integral part of something that defines who you are, what you're about, and how you live. I want you to not only know God because of what you've heard about him. I want you to move to a place where you know God because he's real on the inside of you. Because I know that I know. When you talk about relationship, you're talking about a a, a place of connection. What you're really saying is, any kind of relationship is defined by points of connection. Friends, husband, wife, whatever it might be. Kids. The points of connect- What defines the points of connection? So when we're talking about God and we're saying we want to relate to God, we want a relationship with him. What we need to do is we need to be able to establish some of those points of connection with God. I don't have a point of connection with God if all I do is know about him. I don't know him. I know about Queen Elizabeth. I never met her. I know nothing about her. I could probably tell you a whole bunch of stuff because I've read it. But I don't know her. I don't have any point of connection. I have no relationship. God's sitting saying, I don't want you to know about me. I want you to know me. I want to become something that's tangible, that's approachable, that's nitty, that's gritty. Somebody that you can come to. Somebody who will speak into your life. Somebody that becomes a a, a meaningful contributor to defining who you are and how you live. We're wanting to develop those points of connection. And I'm going to read this to you because... just, just. First Peter chapter two and verse nine. I'm going to read it out, read it out of the passion. It says, "But you are God's chosen treasure." Say, I'm a chosen treasure. "I'm a chosen treasure." Slap your neighbor and say, "You didn't say it loud enough." I'm just reminding you, you're God's chosen treasure. Priests who are kings. Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about people who can meaningfully relate to God. And because I'm able to relate to Him and because I'm able to forge and establish meaningful points of connection with God, it changes who I am and it changes how I live and it changes how I behave and it changes how I act. And so I live from a place of authority and influence in my world. But it all stems from being a priest. A spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience. Say, I'm here to experience. experience. I heard you. I heard you. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. Not to know about. He didn't say, I want you to know about my marvelous light. He called you to experience it. And now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm going to do something in your life. And I'm going to do something so amazing and so incredible that I'm going to broadcast who I am through who you are. This is all about him. It's not about you. Don't lose the plot. I'm not so special. I was built as a temple to howl something greater than myself. Yeah, right. What he's saying to us is this. I'm inviting you to move to a place where you recognize and you realize and you live from what it is to be a peculiar person. What makes you peculiar is the fact that you are different from anybody else in the world. You don't live from self. Self is all about who I am and what I think and how I feel and what I believe. And I, 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 I. There's that I thing again. Watch the I? I'm not peculiar because I want to live from what I believe, what I think, how I feel. Everybody in the world's doing that. You wonder why there's so much confusion? Because there's too much I he doesn't call you to be peculiar because you're getting defined by the world. Everybody's got an opinion about how you should live and what's important and what isn't important. Everybody's very quick to give you their opinion about how you should be living life. But that doesn't make you peculiar. You're not peculiar because you respond to your circumstances and situations, because you respond to the challenges in your life like everybody else does. You're not peculiar. You're expected. I'm not calling you to be expected. He's calling you to be peculiar. What he's saying is, I'm calling you to be a people who are defined by temple living. I'm calling you to become people who recognize the fact that everything that I want to know and every sense of definition when it comes to who God is and what man is what is good? What is evil? What is light? What is darkness? What is heaven? What is hell? Is going to be given definition from the temple. As I move into that space, I begin to reverence and have a respect for the fact that the anointed one, the Christ, is on the inside of me. And because of that, he's calling me to a place where he's wanting to define who I am. It's not going to be the way that we think carries the shock. He's not asking you to be good. he He didn't ask you to do good things. I'm not saying you shouldn't be. Stick with me. What he's saying is this. Everything about you is quite inconsequential. When you start talking about yourself, what ends up happening is, it just means I've lost the plot, and I've forgotten that I'm the temple. If I go back to recognizing the fact that it's the temple on the inside of me, I recognize the fact that he's wanting to do something in me. What is he wanting to do? He's wanting to broadcast himself through my life. He wants to get to a place where we recognize that temple living means sacrificial living. Temple living means, will you come to the temple and sacrifice your life so that you can gain mine? We don't want to sacrifice. We want to improve. I'm sorry that I'm prideful. I'll try really hard at being a generous person. I want to change who I am. And he said, I didn't ask you to change who you are. I asked you to become a peculiar person. I asked you to understand that the most important thing in your life is coming to the temple to sacrifice who you are so that it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. Why? Because I can't fix something that I never birthed. That is not my child. The thing you're running around with is something that's not of my nature. Don't ask me to turn a weed into a plant, a flower. I can't do it. It's two different natures. What he's saying is, let's get rid of that stuff that's not of me. And let me take of who I am and let me birth it on the inside of you. What he's saying is, if you want to understand and have an appreciation of what it means to be a peculiar person, a person who lives from the temple, is a person who comes to the temple with regularity, to sit there and to sacrifice and to sit and say, I'm here to conceive. I'm here to partake of the nature that is resident in the temple and I want it in my soul. Every part of who you are, I want you to come into the space and I want you to seed areas of my life. I'm happy to go on a program of pulling out the weeds. Getting out all the things that I don't need. Because what I'm looking for is I'm looking for a harvest that's born of you. I'm looking for the things in my life. The things that are conceived and the things that I give birth to. To be things that you have a look at and you sit and say, I fathered that in your life. When he fathers it in your life, what ends up happening is the offspring broadcasts to the world. This is Christ. He doesn't want your charity. It's not broadcasting him. He's not looking for you to try and be good, you're not broadcasting him. He's looking for your death. Right. Yes. Yep. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's hard. <odd. laughs> but it really isn't. You see, the thing about it is this. What he wants us to understand in John fourteen, verse sixteen. It says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another coach. A better word for coach is another helper. A better word for helper is coach. What he's saying is, If we're going to walk into this life and we're going to walk into this paradigm where we allow God to begin to seed our lives, to take of his nature and build his nature into us. If I'm going to actively participate and I want to actively engage in new creation on the inside of who I am, I need somebody to help me do that. Because I don't know how to do it. And so he says, I know that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a coach. Because the coach is going to come and the coach is going to lead you to that place. Do you know what the job of the Holy Spirit is? I'm glad you don't because I'm going to tell you. You've never heard this before, but stick with me. The Holy Spirit is a fertilization specialist. He's a fertilization specialist. What he likes is for people who come to him and sit and say, I can't conceive of the things of God. I hear people talking about their life with God. I hear people talking about how God is in their life. I hear about what God's doing in certain circumstances and situations. I hear about God's plan for my life. But I've never experienced it. I've never got that life on the inside of me. What he's saying is you've come to the right place. I'm the fertilization expert. It's my job to take you to the temple. It's my job to take of that nature. And it is my job to seed it into your life. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Sarah and Rita for many years used to um, breed ponies. You have to correct me if I get it wrong. Yep. <laughs> so, when you breed ponies, nobody wants a lame mutt. Well, you don't have mutts as a pony. What do you have? A bad, what's, no, that's a bad fall. What's like a mutt is like a dog is like, runt. A runt. The, thank you, Patrick. You, you must have done ponies as well. <laughs> the runt of, the, nobody wants a runt. What people want is, I'm breeding because I'm looking for a champion. And so what you do is you have what they call brood mares. The purpose of a brood mare is to fall pregnant. That's my job. Because of who I am, if you can take who I am and you can impregnate me, what ends up happening is the offspring of my life should be a champion. That's what you're looking for. When you're breeding, that's what you're looking for. You're not just looking for any old thing that comes out. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit wants us to understand is this. When you are temple dwellers, understand that your soul is that space which is the womb of your being. And what he's saying is, you are to spend our lives as broodmares. That's how you were designed. I can't cover it today because I covered it last week. But when he spoke about the fact that we were created in God's image so that we could reflect his life and likeness, the whole purpose of it is we can take our soul to God and we can sit and say, I'm looking and I'm open to conceive of you because what seed comes of you is of your nature. And what I conceive on the inside of me, I'm going to give birth to something which is of you. That which is born of God overcomes the world. You're not going to overcome the world. You can be the best Christian in the world with the biggest Bible. And you can go to church religiously and you can come on Wednesdays and you can listen to all the stuff at home and you can read all the books and you can do everything you want. But nothing's going to make you an overcomer or victorious. That which is born of, of Him overcomes the world. What he's saying is this, he carries on and and says, the victory is your faith. He's talking about an internal reality. That's why faith is not of you. Faith is getting to that place where I allow the Holy Spirit to take the things of God and to impregnate me with them. Because what ends up happening is it births something on the inside of me called a belief. And beliefs are what drive our life. I live from a belief. But a belief that's conceived from God is called faith. What did he say in the beginning? He said, he was the treasure chest of hope. When you go to the temple and you meet with the treasure chest of hope. And he imparts something to you. What is he giving you? The substance Of things. Hopeful. I'm giving you something. That's going to walk you into your glory. Because when it's established on the inside of you. And it's a belief. And it's a conviction. And it's something that's so much a part of who I am. That it defines my internal being. And I know that it's alive. You might not be able to see it. But the very fact that it's living on the inside of me. Is the affirmation. That it's there. God always works from the inside out. Your soul is the catalyst to take things that are spiritual bring them into a place where they take on reality and who I am. And as I live from that place, I get to introduce them into my world. What you believe is consequential to your development but totally irrelevant to truth. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Gravity. Whether you believe in gravity or not is important for you. (laughs) Step off the edge of the building and you will discover It's important for you, but it's immaterial to the truth of gravity. Whether you believe it or not makes no difference to gravity. Gravity happens. It's the same with the things of God. God is truth, and God will always invite us into truth. The challenge with it is, if our beliefs are not established in his truth, we are the ones who put ourselves in a compromised position, but it has no bearing on truth. That's why he's always inviting us into truth. Why? Because what he's saying is, the places that you are and the things that you're holding on to, those beliefs that you have on the inside of you are establishing what we would call a paradigm in your life. It's a reality that's so established on the inside of who I am. When I live from that place, it colors my perspective of my world. And I see things. Have you ever been in a conversation with people and they're telling you about stuff and you think, where do you get that from? (laughs) I don't see that. (laughs) It's amazing to me. Angela, Sean and myself will talk about our childhood and we all were in exactly the same situation and we'll all talk about the situation and each one of us had a totally different takeout. (laughs) Totally different. And I was like, were you in the same place as me? (laughs) I didn't get that. Because I had a paradigm. And I read life through my paradigm. It becomes important. Because the problem with it is this. We can hinder what God wants to do in our life. Because I want to hold on to what I believe. And when I hold on to what I believe. I don't open the door for the Holy Spirit to do something in my life. What ends up happening is I create a barrier to conception. Well, I feel comfortable in that space. Well, I think that I'm right. Well, I've always thought this. Well, I've always been taught this. There's the I thing again. Amen. Hallelujah. You're missing the cues here. Come on. I start to develop things in my life. Understand this. Our upbringing and where we were and where we've come from. Many, of, None of us were ever born born again. So all of us were at a place where we were exposed to the world. The problem with it is, you were born to live from the temple. But the temple was vacant. Never housed the life of God. And because the temple was vacant, squatters moved in. And squatters used the opportunity to seed my soul with some stuff. And so I'm carrying the life of some things on the inside of me in my soul. It's not in my spirit. My spirit's a brand new creation in him. But I'm living it. It's sitting in my soul. Things that I think and paradigms that I live from. And I see life from a certain perspective. And that's why God says to us, you know what? Take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of somebody else's. Do you know what he's saying? You're a three-wheeled car. We're driving along and it all makes sense to me and everything makes, is absolutely right. But from that perspective, I feel comfortable making importations into people's lives. The problem with it is your paradigm is skewed. Yeah. And because your paradigm is skewed, what's coming out of you is not of his nature. Yeah. It's of another nature. Yeah. I've had to deal with this stuff. It's, it's like I've got to be so careful being judgmental and critical. And I've had to deal with stuff like that because you realize judgment and criticism is not of his nature. It's not the fruit of love. It's the fruit of something else that's been born on the inside of me. And I know it because when it comes out, it's never going to edify, build up, exhort I'm running around out of time. Um, The funny thing about it was Paul found himself in a similar place. Because Paul found himself at a place where he had the life of God on the inside of him. And yet he was caught in this weird paradox. Because he said, I have the life on the inside of me. The temple has been filled. The life of God is once again resident on the inside of me. And yet I find that in my soulish realm, there is this life that's living out there. And in Romans chapter 7, verses 22 to 25, it says, For I joyfully agree with the law of God in the inner person, but I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind. What he's saying is, I know what I should be doing, but although I know what I should be doing, my body doesn't want to do it. I have appetites, I have desires, I have emotions, I have thinkings that justify all of the stuff. There are paradigms and realities, belief systems that are established on the inside of me and they seem to have a life to their, of their own. And I don't want them, I don't like them, I know they're not of God, but they're there. I know none of you have had that, Fortunately. Parts of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin. The law which is in my body's parts, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. I'm a weird paradox. What he's saying is this The temple can be full The temple can be housed The things that are living in my soul Not all of them are offspring from the temple And because of that Those things have a nature Which is not of him And as a result of that, they are building up and growing inside of me and producing fruit in my life. And I'm having to deal with stuff. And I'm sitting saying, I don't like this. I know it's there. And in my mind and my thinking, I'm even aware of the fact that it shouldn't be there. What he's really saying to us is this. We're not capable and we're not able of changing those things. Because you're talking about a nature that you're trying to change with your thoughts. I know I shouldn't do that. It doesn't matter. The nature is established. The nature is resident in there. So what he's saying is, what is the solution? What is the answer? The answer is Jesus Christ. What he's saying, the answer to everything that you're looking for is to move to that place where I go back to the temple and sit and say, I'm here for sacrifice. I can't change it, but I can kill it. I can't change it, but I can offer it up. But in offering it up, I don't want to leave a vacuum. I need to get something from Him. Yeah. I've right. yeah. got to get something from Him. Right. You think you can't hear from God, but you can. Yeah. If you're a child of God, He says you can hear His voice. Yeah. Let, let me give you an example. Worry. Have you ever worried? Do you know that worry has a voice? Yeah. <laughs> worry will speak to you. What happens if the money doesn't come in? And then what's the bank going to do? And then what will people happen? And then what's going to happen about those bills that are. It's speaking to you. And you know what? You're listening. You heard its voice loud and clear. Where did that come from? Something that's not of his nature was conceived in your heart and it grew up. And you know what? It's producing fruit. And the fruit speaks of its nature. That's what it's speaking of. There are two natures. Wait, let me take a step back. You were built as a temple and you were to live from the temple. When the temple is not there, something else moved in. There are only two spiritual forces. Spiritual force of light, darkness, good, evil, life, steal, kill and destroy. One of those two things is going to take up a habitation. If we have anything growing on the inside of us, it's one of two natures. There's no third option. Self self, is part of this one. This, your flesh doesn't want to do what God wants you to do. Very often the things that you should be doing, your flesh are... Why? Because it's not born of that nature. That's why it's like, don't come to God and sit and say, I think this. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't change truth. It's born of his nature. Everything that's coming out of my life, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Everything that's beginning to define our reality is coming from what's being conceived on the inside of us. Everything has a nature. Sin is not around the next corner. It's inside you. (gasps) It's not looking to lurch and jump on you as you walk past around the next bend. What is it? It's sitting saying something in my nature has got a life. And it's inviting me to do something, to behave in a certain way, to act in a certain way. And although it has a voice, the Holy Spirit has a voice. And the Holy Spirit is saying, come and sacrifice. And the voice over here is sitting saying, worry about tomorrow. i got a choice to make. Adam had a choice to make. It was on the inside of him because there were two natures. You're going to live by one or the other. We were designed to do that because we were designed to live from God. Any time I sit and say, I appreciate the sacrificial offer, but boy, worry feels good. I've stepped outside of God's design and God's intention. And I put myself at a place where I indulge a in nature which is not of him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25. I want to leave, read this out of the New Living Translation. I, I, I nearly am finished. If Donna ever gets anything up there. If we're late, it's Donna's fault. If your coffee gets cold, it's Donna's fault. You were just deeply considering what I was saying, right? Hey, glory be! Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel whoa, does not make up time just yet. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused now's your cue to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. Who speaks to you from heaven? In close, Rafa good one, good one the spirit of Christ in you is the one who's speaking and what he's saying is this Every time you move into any situation, remember the Spirit of Christ is in the temple. And the Spirit of Christ has got a voice, like every part of your nature has got a voice. And if you will just stop for a moment and listen carefully, you will hear what the Spirit has to say. And the Spirit is always going to invite you into truth. And the Spirit creates the opportunity for you to move to a place where you can not only put something to death, but He's going to birth something new on the inside of who you are. And He's saying, listen to the voice. I sent you a coach. I sent you somebody who is a specialist in conceiving of my nature. That's what he's there to do. John chapter 4. Sorry, James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The first part of verse 8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. What he's saying is this the natures that are alive on the inside of you are going to demand a response from you. If you recognize that the nature is not of him, your response is to resist it. You know what it's saying? I'm not indulging you. You coming with me to the temple? Because I'm going to sacrifice. Resist. But it goes straight on from there. And what does it say? Nobody was listening. Hmm? Draw near. Okay, you redeemed yourself. Draw near to God. What is it saying is this, it's sitting saying, be aware of what nature is growing on the inside of you. And certain of those natures you're going to have to resist and don't let it uh, have access to your life and, and what it does. But when you meet with the Holy Spirit and you hear his voice, draw near to him, open up your heart and sit and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to kill some of this stuff. Holy Spirit, I want to put to death some of this stuff. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you, Father, right now that Holy Spirit, as I open myself up to you, I'm looking for you to take that truth and to impart that to me and part of the mystery of Christ on the inside of you is not just that he's going to live inside your spirit but that he's going to make him manifest himself in your soul he's going to begin to change those things your paradigms your belief systems those areas that I live from and so I begin to get more established on the rock my life is better in that place that's why it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do you know what he's saying? Nothing can birth that which is of my nature in you except the Holy Spirit. Yes. Nothing can do it. That's why do not grieve him. How do, we not, how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Because he extends an invitation to us and he says, You know what? That's not very nice where you are right at the moment you're living from the wrong nature here. Come, come, let me introduce you to truth. Let me introduce you to something different. Let me change your paradigm. Let me change your belief system. Let me change the disposition that you have to life. The invitation is extended. We grieve him when we say thanks, but no thanks. You know what the biggest challenge I find? And you might find yourself in the same boat. Very often, we've lived with belief systems that are dysfunctional for so long that they're comfortable. It's part of my life. But for me to step out of that leaves me in an uncomfortable place. I don't like it. This can't be right. But it is. But it is. Psalms chapter 103 says, Let all that is within me bless his holy name. Do you know what that is? It's an invitation to holiness. Do you know what holiness is? Holiness is sitting saying, I can't be anything of him in myself. So what I need to do is, I need to get together with the Holy Spirit so I can begin to conceive of his nature. And when I begin to conceive of His nature, what ends up happening is I start to recognize that the offspring of my life is from Him. Let all that is within me, bless His holy name. What He's saying is, I'm looking for every part that defines your soul. Every part that is established and every belief system that you have. Every disposition and every attitude that you have to move to a place where it is defined and birthed of me. How do you know it's of him? Because your worry is not saying, bless God. Your anxiety, your fear, your anger is not saying, bless the Lord. What says it is when I move to a place of victory. And I moved to a place of overcoming. And I moved to a place of peace. And I moved to a place of joy. And all of those things on the inside of me sit and say, bless him. Because I knew where I used to be and I couldn't get to where I am. Let all that is within me bless his holy name. Can we please stand? God wants to meet you where you are. And my encouragement to you this week is this. Set a goal, an objective, to become more peculiar. Jim always likes it when I give you homework. (laughs) The pursuit of my life this week is to become more peculiar. Not because I'm an oddball. Not because I'm weird, but because I'm learning more and more how to live by nature. I'm understanding what it is to be born and created as a temple with a womb. I'm understanding what beginning to inform and seed the womb of my life. I'm becoming discerning about what comes in. I'm going to the temple with regularity to go and sacrifice. And when I get there, it's not about just sacrificing, but it's about looking for the blessing. The blessing is that which is from him, which moves into me, which all of a sudden becomes walking into the glory of him and reflecting his likeness. Because those things that I get from him are the things that ultimately in your life are going to sit and rejoice and celebrate who he is. I don't know what you're going through today. And you're going to go through some stuff. It might be trivial, it might be big. Everybody's got stuff, that's life. I want to pray if you would like for God to meet you in that space. But let me just say this to you as well. I I, I have to tell you this. God is not a get-go. Is is not a a wand that you just, and stuff happens. God will do stuff in your life, and he may do stuff miraculously, and it may be instantaneous right then and there. Sometimes it isn't. Recognize this. If God begins to do something in your life, it's a seed. Any seed grows. Give it room to grow. You don't go and dig it up the next day and be like, well, that didn't work. Planted (laughs) it yesterday afternoon, and I don't have a bush yet. (laughs) Leave it in there because it'll grow and the blade will come and the ear the full ear in the corn give it space it's okay it's okay but my encouragement to you would be this I think what God is doing at a macro level is creating peculiar people he wants to create a new breed of people who live from an upper room experience who understand that Christianity and the Christian walk is all about what I conceive from Him. God will touch you where you are, but I'm asking you to make a commitment to Him that you're going to live from conception. Don't try and do stuff. I'm going to live from that space where I'm going to to let you have influence, Holy Spirit, as a coach in my life. Won't you just bow your heads? If you want God to do something in your situation right now, won't you just lift your hands? Just leave, leave them up. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you that you are the guide. You are our coach. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now for every hand that's raised. I speak life into those situations. In Jesus' name, we take authority over any and every influence of the enemy in those situations right now. And we render you helpless. And coach, we release you into those situations right now. I thank you for transformation. I thank you for change. I thank you for newness. I want to thank you that in every one of those situations and circumstances, I want to thank you, Father, that who you are is being realized. I pray, Holy Spirit, that in each one of these situations, you will take those people and bring them to a place where they open the ear to hear your voice. I thank you for obedience. And I thank you for transformation and change. I thank you for circumstances and situations that say all that is within us. Bless his holy name. every person that's here today, Holy Spirit. I want to thank you for your unwavering love for us. I thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. The temple is permanently filled. Teach us to come to you. Open the ears of our heart, Father, so we become discerning We recognize your voice. And we're quick to obey. We bless you for it. In Jesus' name.